On today's episode, Dave interviews writer and actor Brian McCann. Brian won an Emmy for his 17-year work with Conan O'Brien and is currently the head writer for MTV's The Nikki and Sarah Show. I'm Ian Foley, and this is ADD Comedy. No, there's no preamble, there's no like, so we know Brian from Bloody Bloody, nobody. That's good. I mean, people don't, I'm sure people care. They can find, they can go anywhere. They can Google it. Yeah. They can fucking Google it. Um, they could just go to any police station and get the latest. If they want, report. they want. They could fucking do that. That's how I roll. Um, I, I, I've just been having such a good time with these things. I've been. I really enjoyed the Pat Finn one. Fucking Pat Finn. He's one of the nicest people on the planet of the planet. He and Brian Stack. I always put those two guys together. Yeah, I, it's I a different kind of niceness. Yeah, Brian is a laid back niceness. Yeah, you know. Uh, and Pat's like, oh, that's Pat. Yeah, Pat's like a fireman that would rescue you where everyone else had driven by and let you to die. Like, did you hear about this fireman? It's just on the news. They just beat the, like some guy down on Canal Street went after his wife with a meat cleaver. This is like two days ago, uh-huh. broad daylight. And it happened to be across the street from a fire station. And the fire guys just came around across. <laughs> Everybody else was just, like, scattering, but the fireman came over there, tackled the dude, and the wife is going to live, but she was meat-cleavered to the head, like, three or four times. Jesus Christ! In broad daylight. But anyway, that's the kind of nice Pat Finn is. Brian Stack would never have done that. Brian Stack would probably look at her and go, you're okay, it's okay, it's really okay. It's okay. Like, that reminds me of a, a skit I saw in Second City. <laughs> Rose Abdu's head had been cut off, and, Lady would be like, just call nine one one. It's a different kind of niceness. He's, I, he's just so laid back, and he's just—he never says a bad thing on Facebook. I'm all over like the, the, the politics of it all, and I just attack. Like, you are. You're very political, but you're an intelligent political poster as right. opposed to a from the gut sort of knee jerk poster. I'm also. I enjoy your posts. They're very thought provoking. And well, uh, you, you lay out your foundation for your particular point of view very solidly. And I also don't. I'm, if I'm wrong about something, I'll apologize. When does that it. happen? It does happen where I go. What? This guy's just such a jagbag Republican. Happened the uh, last week. I said this guy, the, the GOP. This guy, this mouthpiece for the GOP, has to shut the fuck up. Or I didn't say it in that way. Um, and then somebody said... You chose oh, your words better. I did. I chose my words better than what I just said. But somebody pointed out, um, he's a Democrat and a liberal. <laughs> okay, okay, I'm wrong. He's wrong. I'm wrong. Yeah. He was acting like somebody that he's not. And, uh, and then I was, uh, I was wrong. So I took it. I took it off. Now, I appreciate... Like, I, I kn- I've known you for quite a lengthy time. At mm-hmm. least 20 years. Mm-hmm. You know. And I appreciate that you are versed in the political spectrum and you're versed in a way that mirrors what I believe I believe, but I've never never been someone who was a natural absorber of the political world and was able to just like instantly make judgments that were correct and stuff like that. And so I appreciate that I know someone and I follow someone on Facebook who has that sort of thinking because I generally need to read a lot of things before I'm able to be like, that is kind of what I believe. Like, I've always been wishy-washy. Like, I was late to vote. Like, I always was one of those guys like, what's my vote count? <laughs> you know, like, the state's democratic anyway, so... Right. Or there's that too, where you go, what's the point? What's yeah, my, that's I was always question. a... I'm very lazy, so I'm always like, what's the least amount of work I have to do? And so, like, I'll move to a state that votes the way I do, so I don't have to get up and go to... <laughs> But a sense of change, but a lot of my decisions have been based on what's the least amount of political work I need to do, do to be heard. Feel, I was uh, just watching all this stuff that you have on, on uh, online that I was, I'm able to watch and, uh, and things that I've seen you do before. There's a simplicity to, and I don't mean like a stupid simplicity, although that's there too. Um, there's a simplicity <laughs> to the majority of pieces that you do. So I'm just comparing it's, that to the least amount of work that one could do. It, uh, it's, yeah, that's a current that runs strong through my life. That's probably the only strong current, which is what's the least amount of stuff I can do. Uh-huh. Why would anybody do more than that? 
I find I've tried. Like I, I've woken up inspired. Like this. Like I, I wrote for Conan for a very long time, and I can tell you this with almost a hundred percent certainty. If I woke up inspired by an idea and really jazzed by an idea and just like this is going to be funny, let's get this on the air tonight. Uh, either that idea would be shot down. Pre, you know, like r right away in rehearsal as being like something trying too hard or if I was able to like push it through it would fail miserably in front of an audience I've always like I think it was a lesson I learned very early which was don't try and there's something naturally about me that is funny that I just have to accept right and just it's not that I don't do anything but like the more I'm jazzed about an idea and the more I like try to go against the flow of the river and just like, oh, put this in there, this is funny, <laughs> uh, that it's never a correct instinct. It seems to me that the, the, the things that do get on that you've done are, um, there's a trust that everybody has for you, of you, of the work that you're doing. Which is a trust I think everyone needs to have for everyone. I try. I, yeah. And, and Conan, I think, is a great is is the perfect fit, or was the perfect fit. Absolutely, he he came, although not directly from the same Chicago improv roots that you and I came from, but he came from a strong respect of other ideas, and following the like, you know, he he uses the term spitballing, but the brainstorming or the game or whatever, right? Just really letting the ideas pile on and yeah yeah and just accepting it just a yeah. sense of acceptance and the show has a flow and i think andy being there and you being there and stack being there i mean you got a bunch of people who are just so fucking chill andy is there can't be a more chill fast-witted he's my idol i mean that guy talk about like andy richter <coughs> yeah like not putting like not being able to see any of the work like he is and he is one of the fastest funniest smartest but he makes it look like it's just blown into his brain from like a sixth dimension you know and it's he's, awesome he's and it's so inspiring to work around people like that too because you got you're, you're you're thinking i i think i can get away with something here yeah well that's also i mean to be that trusting of the people you're working with to be like like that, I can get away with something. I can just throw out, you know, just like, we're at a pickle factory right now and everyone has chicken feet. And I know that that idea is not just going to be mocked and <laughs> right. it's not going to fall on its face. It's going to turn into something that I have no idea what, but right. it's, it, but it's, it, it's in trustworthy hands. It, cer it certainly is something where, where, where if, if you go, I'm going to say this and someone's going to say yes to it, more likely than they're going to say no to it, or in the past they've said yes to this, then the creative process just opens itself up on so many levels. So many levels. And there, I even saw something recently at CNBC, like business is finally catching on. Or there's some like, you know, like hip new businesses that are like, thought forward or whatever that are adopting a lot of the improv basic rules <coughs> the the essay ending approach in the uh, like boardroom or in the brainstorming section I'm doing it all I'm doing it all across the country I do I just did it for um, Invisalign where I'm working with their salespeople oh. for Invisalign uh, Richard Label uh, do you know Richard? I sure do yeah. the fact that he knows Invisalign makes a lot of sense he's very that guy makes, I think, an incredible living, and he's really tied into the corporations and, and just Absolutely. a perfect guy for it. He is, and I've mentioned him in almost every podcast because of that very thing. Um, the idea that he, he uh, opening himself up, you know, it's also, like who he, he hired uh, me and a, a guy named William Hall, who uh, started Bats Theater in San Francisco and when you surround yourself with people that are like-minded in terms of opening yourself up saying yes to things uh, uh, what Conan calls spitballing but also uh, but also the idea of what do you got I'm excited to sit here across from you and you tell me what you got and my first thought is I'm not in charge my first thought is what is this product going to be that the two of us can work on in, in a very open process right and uh, and <laughs> Your body of work at Conan, certainly, is so indicative of no one ever really saying, not no one ever really <laughs> saying no to you. But like, it's true. But 
the robot toilet thing, and uh, and and the Preparation H guy, and like the stupid uh, uh, oldest uh, uh, stunt guy, and how long you were able to just milk that <laughs> thing. And it's the idea. While I'm watching, like he's still doing it. He's still doing it. It's not about you. It's about. Are you talking in particular about the oldest stuntman? The thing? oldest stuntman. Yeah. And the idea that you were able to do that for so long. And I love you punching the wall. You were able to do that for so long. <laughs> and that's about you, but it's also about the people that are around you that say yes to that. Yes. Yeah, the, the fact that Conan goes, yes, for one minute of prime late night television time, you can slowly roll down the stairs and roll across the floor and pull a pie off a table onto your face. <laughs> and I will stand there and watch it. Like, that's... Not many shows allow that. No. I've never been a part, actually, of any other endeavor, which is just like, well, we definitely have a minute for just someone to roll around the floor in front of everyone. I think that was two and a half or three minutes long. It could have been. It could yeah. have been that long. I haven't looked at it in a while. but No, no, of course you're not going to look at it, but I looked at it, because uh, looking at it, you go, <laughs> uh, the instinct is to go, and scene, and cut, and scene, and scene. But it didn't happen. I've always, uh, I've always been a fan of myself doing a joke too long but i often get frustrated when other people do a joke too long it's a very <laughs> selfish thing like my girlfriend like i'll always like I, I grow tired like if she does a joke too long and she's like but this is what you do and i'm like i i, I know it's just i don't know what that means <laughs> well, i think uh, whatever <laughs> so you're, you're show running you're show running this this show uh, i'm not show running i'm head writing you're head writing yeah what's the name of the show Nikki and Sarah Lime. Right. And are you taking some of the that's the spirit of that and putting it in that? Absolutely. I try, like, I'm a head writer. I have five writers underneath me, and it is exactly that approach. It's just like, what do you guys have? Let's talk it through. Here's what I have. Let's right. talk it through. And then Nikki and Sarah come in, and they're... The reason I was excited about working with them is they're both very strong-minded as to what is funny. They're both very solidly established in their points of view, right. which is a, the point of view that someone brings to comedy. I remember taking a class from you 20 years ago where you spent three weeks maybe on just, what is your point of view in this scene? And it was like that stuck with me as just a very solid fundamental tenant you should approach all comedy with and anyways those two nikki and sarah have separate but strong and complementing point of views so it's fun to work with them and it's fun to work with a crew of writers and then present a somewhat formed idea to them and have them which is also what conan would do like see it and go like okay 90 percent there now do this and that like something that you'd never think of and be like yeah wow yeah, of course that makes perfect sense it's, right it's just exciting to watch. Like doing improv has always been, if it's clicking, if you're with a group that is supporting and it is just allowing just the froth to just bubble and boil over. Right. Like there's nothing more fun than that. No, there's nothing. And and to be on, and I, I think about because you were in Blue Velveeta with uh, Leggett and um, Brian Blondell. And Blondell and when I think about the three of you watching the three of you, you had a conversation going that nobody heard. Do you understand what I mean? Like you guys started a conversation, but the conversation of course being this is what we're going to do and you, when you jived, when you jived, it re you really fucking jived. Yeah. And it's and in any good improvisation, the two people that are up there are going, this is what we're going to do, but you don't talk about it, you just say, right. and then they go, yeah. and then you, and then that's it. And that's the understanding. And the point of view is such a, such a, uh, I've been re I've been coming back to it as well. Um, the point of view is confidence, direction, fun, and know that you could be wrong and it's not going to hurt you. Do you, understand? you know what I mean? Yes. And, and yet, I see so many of my students and actors take that point of view and then veer the fuck off. And I'm like, don't veer off of it. Stay on it. And I think that there's, there's a feeling of, oh, it's too simple. Mm -hmm. or, it, but or it needs to be more complex, which might be two different things. I don't know. Um, or it's getting boring. And it's like, what's that, that little fucking ego judgment in your head that's shouting in your skull? And the people that I know, like Conan, and um, I, I don't know if you know Dave Eggers. 
you were a heartbreaking work of staggering genius. I know his work. I don't know him. Well, I, I don't know him as well, but I do know about him and his whole thing. And Vince Vaughn is another guy. I, I, anecdotally, I hear people talk about them where somebody says, you look at them and they don't know it won't, they don't know the sentence, it won't work. Right. Yeah, exactly. Vince Vaughn, that's a great example. I've never met him. And when I first saw him, probably in Swingers, uh, I was just like, yeah, like, who's this dude who's playing it completely correctly? Like, who's comedically, yes. Right. Yeah. And yeah. that's an ex exactly, you can tell in his head, there's no concept of this is not going anywhere but the right place. Exactly. Yeah, and then so when you're true. with, when you look at somebody like that, you go, I want to be with that guy. Or I want to, oh, how does he get to that mental right. state? You can even, like, and, and you've been to that, in that state, right? Yes. Like, where you, but like, <laughs> it's so great, like, because that state of just complete confidence, it's, it's an achievable state, but it's not a 100% maintainable state throughout one's career. And so what's great is you can go from that state and shows and shows and shows where you're in that state and confident. And then you can just be on stage like the next night and just go, oh, this is going to die. <laughs> <laughs> and you could just tell like whatever run you were on is over for the time being. <laughs> right. And the thing is, to, when, you, when you glom onto that, it's like, oh, this run is over. Then you're fucked. Right. You're really fucked. But because then that's not true either. I know. But you've made it true at least momentarily. Exactly, exactly. And in that moment, and you, when you improvise, you go, oh, this show's not going to be good. And then you know what? The show's not good. Yeah, it's self-fulfilling prophecy. That's why I love, I think more than, well, I, the performing and everything was great about improv, but like, uh, and Tina Fey touched on this in her book too, which is just, the initial like going into improvisation classes and studying comedy through that method was a just mind-blowing expansion to how to approach life in general which really? is a little what we were talking about like corporations adopting right. it now right right and there are certain places certain schools that that uh that i uh that i'm told about uh, improv schools that when i hear what they do i'm thinking you're really putting your students in their heads a lot and I feel like there's not a freedom in that, the freedom that we had when we were studying with Dell, and that freedom of Dell would go, well, well, today we're going to talk about I saw a postman, and we do all postman scenes. It's like, all right, let's fucking do that. You know, but, <laughs> but there right. are certain schools that I think, and I, uh, uh, that I, I, I'm, it's just too unprofessional to mention them, but the idea that this is the box, and it has to be this, and this is the way that it's got to be in LA. In LA. And, I, and I think, how does anybody work within that parameter? Yeah, it's very constricting. <coughs> it's uh, it's just very. It it tries to break, or it's I guess successfully to a certain degree breaks down what one needs to stand out on stage. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's uh, basically really a school that generates. I turn around to use showboat and jackasses. You know, <laughs> just for like someone who can, you know. <coughs> power their way through a scene without actually letting the scene organically ex be experienced with everybody participating. Right. And it brings that sort of people to that and then you've got a group of people who are all being that individual. Yeah. And I think that anybody who's done improvisation knows that one showboat and jackass who comes in <laughs> and you look at him and you go, oh boy, I cannot wait for you to have success elsewhere. You know? <laughs> <laughs> go somewhere right. else. Because right now, the only way that you're, we're going to get through to you is get rid of you. <laughs> you know, like we yeah. know that guy, and yeah. and, and yet we uh, and not yet. So we surround ourselves with people like you know, um, like the Stacks and the Finns and the uh, and the McCanns and the um, Neil Flynns and Pete Holmes and, and the Rizowskis. Oh, Don't leave yourself out. Of um, uh, and the Rizowskis. But looking at all those, I, can't, I better mention some women. Um, and uh, and Carrie Clifford, the woman that I work with, and Tina, and um, I mean Jackie Hoffman, who's mm -hmm. coming by later on. And Jackie was one of these people, like fucking confident. No one could command a room like oh my she God. can just one word, just the whole room is like yes. <laughs> right. uh, right. An hour and a half of this, please. <laughs> right, right. And there's a, you know, and her and Adsit 
Mm. Uh, doing that scene at Second City, I don't know if you remember it, where uh, Jackie's in an abortion clinic. Do you know that scene? I don't. Uh, Jackie's in an abortion clinic in a waiting room, and Adzik comes in uh, as a Lothario sort of type, mm. and he's picking women up in the abortion clinic. <laughs> and you go, how the fuck do you do that? How do you do that? You do that because you're confident, and you go, yes, but it's also you do that and you're confident, and you're also given the foundation to be able to do that. Your Second Cities, and you know. Right. And there's. It's. It's so weird, and I don't know if this is, uh, this is way off. It's called the ADD comedy, Dave Rosansky, so there's no way off. Okay. Like, that just got me thinking, like, you see a, sh- a scene like that. Here's a guy picking up women at an abortion clinic, and it's hilarious, and it's brilliant, and it's, there's something about that, like, if you put that, you could put that in a movie with some success, but you would really have to, pampered in a way to get that scene to exist but you see it on you know like you'd have to justify well what Nick calls it is protecting it okay right so yeah but like you see it on a a show like that and it's one of the funniest things you've ever seen I, I think what I'm talking about is just how some things don't parlay from the stage to television in particular because that's the medium I end up working in mostly and it's still a conundrum to me as to why I know there's like a electricity that exists with a live audience that doesn't translate to a home viewer Mm -hmm. and so I'm drawn to television where there is a live audience there but still like you couldn't like I feel like a Smothers Brothers show maybe years ago could have put on a guy picking up women in an abortion clinic but now like to do that your show has to have such a strong like mission statement of being like we're the counter cultural thing it's like no that's just a funny scene the next scene can be about you know two people day, day, on a day school yeah, yeah. Exactly. day school that happens like right like, on a bus i don't know like i i think that you're coming at it from the uh, yeah i totally understand what you're saying and, and it always sounds to me like the freedom that comes with hbo and showtime and cable and comedy central uh, late at night and that sort of thing, um, but none of the networks would be able to do that. But still, I don't know that that abortion clinic scene would necessarily work. Second City tried it so many times—not that scene, but tried so many times to to take what it is that they do on stage yeah. and put it. They tried an A and E show, they tried an HBO show. I think um, Kids in the Hall was very successful. I mean, there's a number of shows that have been successful. Right. I guess the state. The state, yeah, right. Mystery show, like that's something like you could have seen there, right? You, but you see, so many missed attempts. Like, so it's very hard to do success. I think all if you go into it saying we're going to be cutting edge, I'm going to go go fuck yourself. Yeah, I'm not. Uh, no, don't. If you want to <laughs> tell it to me, I'm not going to watch it. Yeah, as opposed to make it subversive that I have to look for and find, and then that meme will come. That that meme will come out. That you know, that that we all get. We uh, you gotta check this. And thing that's out. all about just being true to your, just being real, and just like that's one facet of who you are, and so that comes up naturally and feels natural when you do it. Right. And but you're right. Like if you announce prior to it, I'm cutting edge. <laughs> it's like let me decide what you are, please. Maybe you're way cutting edge. But just <laughs> please awesome. let me make that judgment because exactly. that's a, a, a lot of praise to give you. And it's, and it's a place you that you it. want me to get to that place first before I make that <laughs> right. judgment. You know, it's like, come here. It's, it's like, like, why am I it, coming? Why am I here? It's like I, I've always hated like at parties, like, I got a, a story. You're going to love this story. <laughs> I already don't. <laughs> Could you please just tell me a story and I'll let you know if it's funny or not? <laughs> It's the same sort of principle at play there. Exactly. I already <laughs> don't. <laughs> That's really true. That's really true. And, and, and it's also, it seems like, a, it, but it, it seems like a lot of work for the person that's trying to make me feel that way. As opposed to what, what you were saying is like, if you are true and natural to who it is that you are, organically that is going to unfold and I'm going to be drawn to you. Yes. And that it just made me think comes back to good supportive improv where it's like let it just play out don't as a team player whatever don't show me right away that you're in control of the scene and you got some crazy ideas we're going to explore tonight just (laughs) 
<laughs> like we'll all find like let's all trust that that exists already and we're just floating down a river and we're picking berries that are hanging off branches kind right. of thing like, and sometimes the low the low the low hanging fruit i go well we're gonna do that i'm sometimes. the master and you stay away from the low hanging fruit <laughs> <laughs> the kids got the low i'm grabbing that <laughs> as fast and furiously as i can <laughs> and the people that i love to watch you know you're 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 uh TJ and Dave's, you know, mm. those kind of things where you go, they are just open up, they're open to everything, and they're listening and they're hearing you on a deep tissue level, yeah. and you just walk in, and the moment you walk in, they have an opinion about you, I mean, a, a, not an opinion, but they have a strong point of view in regards to you, yes. and at that moment, you know who it is that you are, because they told you who you yeah, are. Yeah, I've always and, loved that. Yeah, and then they accept, who, and then you accept who it is, because it's fucking TJ and Dave. Right. And you trust at that moment. The underlying feeling is it's all going to fucking work out. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great mental space to be in, both as a performer and as an audience member. Just Clearly. And as somebody who's walking out, where's hailing the cab and getting the, the subway going, it's all going to fucking work out. Because it always works out. It's true. It rarely doesn't work out in some way it rarely works out the way anyone thinks it's going to work out <laughs> right, right. but it usually does work out i mean there's extreme examples it's not working out in syria right oh certainly but but for, it is for certain people in syria it's working out yes but in day-to-day -day life <laughs> like people who are overwhelmed like chances are like things are going to work out in some way shape or form there was a woman last night at the Oscars, and I don't mean to date when you're taping this. I don't know if you want to release this in July and just be like, wait a minute, Rosowski. <laughs> you just uh, stockpile. Spoiler, spoiler alert. Can we say spoiler? But there was a woman who won an Oscar for some documentary that mm -hmm. I, I was kind of tuning in and tuning out. But there was a woman who was homeless a year ago, homeless, mm -hmm. on stage collecting an Oscar. She clearly a year ago could not have imagined unless she was on something. New Year I'll be at the Oscars, like, being applauded by Hollywood's elite. Well, or, or she might have just said a billion things. Like, she might right. have said, say, <laughs> she say may she have said, said that exactly. things. It's like, uh, I, <laughs> and one might be right. <laughs> right, right. A year from now, I'm going to be on a dinosaur. And a year from now, I'm going to be worth a million dollars. And I'm going to be, and it's like, well, one of those is going to work. You're going to be right about that. Yeah. But anyway, so she's... In this yeah. day and age, it's probably the dinosaur, the way science is going. Exactly. Am I right? We're very close to having dinosaurs. It's very um, true. Who was it? Uh, uh, Rachel Hamilton was talking about how she has an ability to um, uh, take diamonds and spin them so fast that they go back into coal. And I would imagine, like, if you take oil and spin it so fast, it might be, you might make, make dinosaurs. <laughs> I, it's not crazy. No, it's yeah. not. I'm it's investing in your scheme. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love the word scheme. <laughs> <laughs> Life is a scheme. But you never thought that you'd be doing not necessarily uh, this podcast, certainly, but you never thought that you'd be doing where it is that you were. When I saw you out here on the first incarnation of, uh, of Conan, uh, when you were out here, I thought you were just out here temporarily. So did I. And I'm not saying, oh, McCann's going to be, but it's like, who the fuck knew? Well, just the, the <coughs> reality mm -hmm. of working in television specifically is the reality that you're on a show for one year at a time or right. three years at a time. Uh, Conan is a, a very smart survivor and very smart like mapper of how to stay alive in mm -hmm. the business and stay relevant and stay smart and stay interested. Mm -hmm. And so it was that was a lot of schooling in itself, like watching how he navigated the always choppy waters of... Well, certainly coming in, he was, you know, people thought that he wouldn't last at, at all. Yeah. And how many, how many tombstones have, you know, late night show hosts carved into them? Yeah. You know? No, he was like week to week. And I started in his second year and it was still like big news if... Uh, a large renewal came in, you know, like a large order for the next 24 weeks. It'd be like, woo, yeah. Right, right. And, 
And sitting at home, you don't, you're don't. Ne- you never, unless in these days and age, maybe you're like blogging, you're reading some blog, but generally the home viewer is completely unaware of the finaglings going on behind the scenes of just all the fighting to keep things on and to keep the integrity right. of what goes on strong. And I think that that's an important thing, the integrity to keep things strong, because the idea of you could panic and want to change everything for the executive saying, look, what has well, to happen the, yeah. is this. And it, and it goes back to our conversation about point, points of view, the idea of this is what it is that I'm doing. And I think that, that what Conan went through with The Tonight Show and then going back to the TBS thing, um, he never wavered. He, it seemed he, like he was true. always that guy <clears throat> with that point of view. Yes. He, and in a way, it's a very simple point of view it's right. just a very uh hard work pays off trust me in the long run right like trust me trust me yeah and that's really the core of what motivates him and it's very simple and it's not simple to stick to it and it's a very challenging dogma to apply like successfully for 20 some years so He's very strong-willed, very... I don't think he does meditation, maybe he does, but if he did, he would, like, shoot through crystal layers of consciousness, like, (laughs) effortlessly, and you'd be like, fuck you. (laughs) I sort of got this buzzing feeling, and, you know... Right, and you're levitating. Yeah, you're up there with George Harrison talking about something. You know, like... Right. He is just one of those kinds of minds where it's, like, very impressive. I, I... and. It's when you say it's the idea of trust me, but it's not the idea of look. What do I got to get do to get your trust? It's more that he is the model of that, and you look at that and you go, oh, okay. At first you might be skeptical, and then after a while you go, he was right on that one. Yeah, he was right on that one. He might have not been right on that one, but the way that he adjusted yeah. to not being right was a great model yeah. too. And I had seventeen years of being skeptical and just being like, nope, nope, he was right again. <laughs> There's very few times when I could go home to dinner and be like, I was right that time. Boy, did he look like a fool. Right. But, and, the, and yet the entire, I don't know, you know, I don't know the work. I do know a few of you who are, working on, uh, who, are, who are working on staff there. But it seemed like everybody was flowing with that flow. And you're talking about the current going down the river and picking up the fruit. And, or the, the low-hanging fruit. Or whatever we're calling yeah. it. But it's, the, it's that idea of everyone around there was just in the boat. The current was taking him down. And that's what they were doing. Yeah. We don't have to steer this fucking thing. We just have to make sure that we don't have to take it upstream. Let's just let it flow downstream. The heyday of that late night program to me was like late nineties and it was because NBC was so successful, like with its primetime lineup, like right. couldn't have been clicking better. Is like Is that the must see Thursdays? Or yeah, it was, it was. Right. Cheers, Seinfeld, Friends, I don't right. know, like it, like all these like legendary shows were just flushing NBC with so much cash like the last thing they wanted to do was spend any thought or time on what was going on at late night so it really was like on like there was no corporate eyes telling us what to do so it Mm -hmm. was a real creative just hot shop of just you could show up one morning and just be like let's go out and shoot guys sitting on toilets but on top of cars driving down the streets of Newark and we'll put a song to it and we'll put that on air. And I know that that's true because I actually did that. And I got on TV and people like, oh, that was kind of entertaining. <laughs> that was something to look but, at. Yeah, but now, like now I, I technically have more power like at this new show I'm working at as a head writer, but no, nobody at the corporate level is going, yes, go around and shoot that. There's like, Far more interference, and properly so, I think, to a certain degree. It's, I, I, I've learned that executives, to a large extent, have some very good ideas right. to keep in keep in line the insane, you know, like low hanging fruit fruit picker that just wants to <laughs> that thinks anything is entertaining. <laughs> Well, they got to where it was that they are, not not necessarily, not just because they're douchebags, but also because they have some idea of what it is that they're doing. Yeah. Um, and and the last thing that they want to do is lose their job. But it's also, they want to make sure that they're seen in, in 
it's, I think it's tough for a lot of people who are, who are bean counters, and I don't know necessarily if those guys are bean counters, to totally wrap their heads around the creative process. But there is that creative process that makes them money. So you guys are simpatico. Yeah. And yet, you don't want to strangle it, but you also don't want to make it crazy time. time. But I'm sorry, Brian, a lot of the shit that you do is crazy time. time. <laughs> you know, well, that's what really I'm saying. There were no is. eyes on it. But yeah, yeah, yeah. And <laughs> you might be the luckiest writer on the planet. I won't argue with that. I've <laughs> certainly, I, I had, I've had lots and lots of fun. Uh, yeah, and, and again, I'm not saying that like, Jesus Christ, dude, I mean, no, stupid stuff, but I, nine <laughs> times out of ten, the stupid stuff is what's the fucking funniest stuff. Well, I've found, like, I tried to put a stand-up act together, which I, I, I had some success at stand-up, but like, I had success doing short stand-up bits, because my uh, approach to stand-up was always, uh, this is, you know, is an anti-stand-up, like sort of making fun of it in a way. But that like doesn't, Andy Kaufman sort of thing? Yes, he, totally influenced by Andy Kaufman, and heavily influenced by Steve Martin growing mm-hmm. up. And, like his early comedy albums were very just like flying the face of classic stand-up. But when I sat down or like was like, I'd like to do a 45 minute, I'd like to do an hour and a half and like really put my thoughts and my comedic sensibility out there. I found just, I was unable to find like what my real voice was that could sustain an hour and a half of someone's attention. Like I, I, I don't know exactly what I'm saying here, but just like, I don't have whatever it takes to pour myself out to that extent in an interesting fashion for that amount of time. Is it, is it the ego that says nobody's interested in that? Is that is I that think so, but I think it's also experience that just says, oh, no one's interested in have that. Have you tried that lately? <clears throat> I've tried, but I've tried with poor planning. Like, uh, mm-hmm. I've written like a whole news, like what I think is very entertaining stand-up, but then it's like, try to go out and do that. It's just like, you can't just memorize 45 minutes of stand-up that's all new <laughs> and go... Like the poor people that are watching you go through this self-indulgent <laughs> exercise of have I memorized this? Oh no, nope, not quite. Sorry, everybody. Right. You know, like right. to really do stand up right, you got to do it every night, and every you got to pay your dues in the small clubs so that you can earn the praise of the larger clubs. Right, right. I I don't know how people do it. I fucking don't know it's how people a, do it. It's real hard work. It's really hard work, and to look at somebody like uh, Tim Meadows, who's Who's, yeah, who's, look at him, man. He's, he's doing really well, but I'm, and yet there's a guy who also has just amazing confidence. Yeah, and he's and here's another thing, he's totally honest, and totally truthful, and well, connected and grounded. That total honesty is there may be no greater quality to get into your life to live well than total honesty. Oh boy. I mean, you know what it's like where you, you're, you're going, I can't say this to somebody, I just can't say this to somebody. And when you can't say that to somebody, you're not being your total self. You know? Right. And whatever it is, whether it's a, a, a lover or a teacher or a mother. Or and you create a, you a distance which is harmful in such an imperceptible manner, but it exists for years. It's so fucking true. And then you, you, you see someone that you weren't honest with and you hold on to that. It's like, oh boy, I wonder if they remember the thing that I remember that I'm holding on to that... I wasn't honest yeah, with Yeah, I know. You know, and people that are going through you know, the program or whatever, you know, friend of Bill, and, and the courageousness that it takes to do that, to go, I was a douchebag, and I was a fucking douchebag, <laughs> you know, and I was drinking, and I was whatever point of weakness or whatever that was going to be, and to be honest in that moment, and when people have made amends to me, I'm not hearing anything that they're saying. I'm not hearing if there's anything I did or do or apologize you know that sort of thing uh-huh. what I'm what I'm what I'm watching is I'm watching somebody bear their fucking soul to me in a way that I find courageous and I wonder could I do that yeah do that really do that really like do that fucking yeah. really yeah and for somebody to come up and do that really I go oh man oh man I, I, yeah do I admire that I think I admire that more than any thing in the world Except maybe nice cars. Nice, nice cars. Nice cars <laughs> and, then, and then honesty. <laughs> Those are the two 
<laughs> Measures of a man. <laughs> nice cars and honesty. Um, and I'm, I'm drawn to those people that are like, I'm drawn like someone like Mick Napier, who you look at and you go, I know exactly who you are because you don't hide it. Yeah. And I know what your point of view is. And do you have flaws? Yes. Do you, you know, but, but if I'm talking to you and you're honest, there are people that I won't have, you know, I won't do interview here on the podcast because I'm feeling like, you're not going to be honest with me or you're going to be pushing your agenda or we really can't get down to that foundation that is the creative foundation. That is the idea that when somebody's listening to this podcast, they're inspired in some way. I would find, I, I can't imagine many people talking to you because I think you so don't bring that out in people. So like... <laughs> right. But like, there's some people that won't do it. There was a stand-up who said, I'm not going to do that show. I'm going to do that touchy-feely bullshit. And he's a really fucking successful stand-up. And I go, okay, that's okay. Jerry it's Seinfeld. Okay. Exactly. So <laughs> we can take that out and post it. Right. No, um, I, I, I hear you. It's, it's not a, it's a quality I don't have, but I admire than I try to have. It's one of the things I like about Andy is I feel like I know who he is. Yeah, absolutely. Stack I don't trust. <laughs> <laughs> but boy, is he nice. He's, boy, is he nice. I, looking at, at those guys and just thinking about the people that we know and being inspired by those people that we know and knowing that, that and being inspired by them in such a way that it allows us to be more creative because that's what they're doing. And you're throwing stuff out there. Um, because you're not just a writer, but you're also a performer, people are watching that and being so fucking inspired by by you. And I know that, I know I don't do this saying, I'm going to be inspiring, but I do hear people say, I watched you do this, or I talked to you about that, or I, I, I heard what your, your podcast, and I was so inspired. And that fucking warms me up so much. Well, you were saying, I don't know, maybe in the Path Finn podcast, that that's what gets you more excited than anything, I think, is to have an effect on people, like to know that something you've done has somehow lit a, a bulb in somebody else's head. <laughs> right, 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 right. I was watching you do the, um, uh, that, that lighting of the bulb in somebody else's head. I was watching you do the bulletproof leg guy, and, <laughs> and that was just so Monty Python. Well, another huge influence of mine, definitely. Right. Right, and those guys, there too, when we, when someone is allowed to do what it is that they are born to do, if you will, when they're allowed to do what they're born to do, everybody's looking at that saying, I want to do that, I can do that, maybe, I'm not certainly not in that way, but I can be that creative too. That's true. And so it's not necessarily what we do, it's that we do it. That's very true. And I'm like I'm not Del Close, but I was so fucking inspired by him. But I wasn't. I didn't look at him as a guru. But I looked at the concept of him saying, like Del and Martin Demont and those people saying, "What do you want to do? Because we can do that." Yeah. What are you going to do? We can do that. Um, while looking at um, Farley, Chris Farley, and going, "That fucker laid it all out there, totally and fully." Yeah, I was talking to. Occasionally, <clears throat> interns will come to me and just like, how do you get into the comedy business? And these are like 21-year-old kids, and it's like uh, an interesting conversation because they always just want to work on a TV show right away. And it's like, go explore stuff, you know, go do shows, go, go write, go figure out what your voice is, blah, blah, blah. And I, one thing I try to say is like, don't get caught up in the success of others because you're going to have... Uh, a kid who's your age who's going to get yanked out and just thrust to the top of uh, the world for no apparent reason to you and there's no nothing you can do to control that so just be focused on finding your voice and uh, outlets for your voice to be heard but the one exception not, it's not an exception it's like a perfect example of someone who was plucked and just yanked to the top was Chris Farley and for complete understandable reasons just like <laughs> the first improv show I did with him it was just like oh okay like <laughs> thank you for doing a show with me because in two months you're gonna like have a four DVD set out you know like and it was totally completely understandable in Absolutely. his case Absolutely, absolutely, and and I mean, there's a fucker with demons. 
major clearly right and and so we look at that as 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 I, I was obviously it's tragic and if there's anything that came out of it it's that his uh, this is so so flowery but his light shined for it's so fucking brightly for that short amount of time we were able to go let's and when i saw him towards the end i saw him at seconds at um used to be um i don't know if you were Neither, but we did a show, Second City Alumni on the pier at Second at, in Santa Monica. Did you know that we had an alumni show? Like, no. like really great people came. And I, I remember the last time I saw Farley was he was you know wearing it wearing like a, like a, a '70s shirt, that dark, and he had like a, 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 a leather jacket. It must have been a leather jacket on, and he was sweating up like a motherfucker. And mm. I'm thinking, dude, let's, let's go outside, get some air, because you need some air, man. Yeah, and. And he was gone. Yep. The light burning brightly is a very uh, perfect analogy. Yeah, yeah. But there's certain people that look at Tina Fey for me, not in that kind of dream way. But I went I, when I first saw Tina Fey, and I think I mentioned before, I looked and was like, "Who is this person? Right? How can I? What is See, happening right now?" I remember uh, <clears throat> Pete Gardner, who I always love his analysis of stage work. Uh, the first one, no, it was the first time Dave Pasquese came and sat in on Armando Diaz experience mm -hmm. uh, at the old I.O. or it might be where the I.O. still is and Tina Fey was still like young and upcoming at that time but had earned the spot to be like on the Armando Diaz like show and I remember her just jumping out and doing scenes with Pasquese and then Gardner afterwards just like marveling at the fact that Pasquese, who was someone we all held in the highest regard as an improviser, he, he was just like, Tina Fey was running circles around him. He had no idea what to do, and she was carrying him. Like, Pete Gardner was just so excited. And it just like, it, it, it's like put into like solid words like what I was thinking, but like couldn't quite form. And it was exactly that. Just like, yeah, she was just this juggernaut of, it was just like watching someone just like, a basketball player just with every trick in the book and just right. like making Kobe Bryant just look like a like what? Well that's huh? the way I felt when I first played with Pasquese where you go right. how did your fucking mind work? Right. You know you're working on like 3D chest levels <laughs> and I'm going oh, I want right. a sandwich and you're working on all these levels and then Tina you, you look at somebody like that and you go how are how does your brain how do you look at this sort of right. these sort of things and certainly what she does on what she did on 30 Rock and, uh, and her book and all these other things. <clears throat> that is just one aspect of it. But to see her improvise is something totally different. Right. It's incredible. Like, you're right, 3D chess. Whereas I sit there and just low-hanging checkers. <laughs> like, I'm on the same board, but it's a, a different game I'm playing, and it doesn't interfere with yours. And don't interfere with mine. Right, exactly. The don't take the fart joke. I got it. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to help the scene. It's not just gratuitous. You'll see. You'll trust see. Me, trust me on this. Trust me on this. But I, did you, were you at IO when Barons Barracudas was around? Of course you were there. Right? Yeah, but right. I, I, I was there like to watch them do shows and just be incredibly impressed by them, but like not to hang out with them really. Right. I, there was something about hey, you couldn't hang out with them, right. and when when you know John Judd would talk to you, you'd go, John Judd's fucking talking to me, and those guys uh, were actors. They were actors. Yeah, really good actors. Really good actors, and I think that there are people we don't. That I, I'm bringing that back. I'm reminding people through the work that I'm doing that we're actors, uh, but I think that that now. And I, I, I know I mentioned this before. There are act, there are improvisers who are taught by improvisers, but we were taught by actors. Yes, That's highly intelligent actors. Right, who who hadn't figured it out yet. And what I mean by that is, you go to certain schools and they've fucking figured it out. But Dell was sometimes like, I don't, I don't know what I'm gonna do, or maybe you wouldn't show up. Which but, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but which is some like, I'm just saying it out loud, like. A philosophy that I approach uh, my life with or try to is that life is a completely always uh, evolving organism uh, always like anyone who's like strongly locked in a position today is gonna 
regardless of whether they're right or wrong, is going to look ridiculous 50 years from now. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, just going to look like an idiot. Yeah. Well, I don't know about you, but I always thought the modem was going to be forever. You know, that... that I've had so many sound. times, like, throughout, you know, we've witnessed crazy technology, but so many times, like, where I'm like, it doesn't need to get any better than this. This is amazing. Like, I can just, like, I can scan something and you can get it. Right, right, right. Exactly. Like, I'm always one to settle. We're done. Yeah, We're this done. is great. This is and I feel like now, like, we could stop, right? We've got the, the iPad right there. That, right. That, that's pretty great. We're done. Well, we'll but, but I know in a couple of years we're going to have, like, that just the 3D mind, mind screen in front of us. The minority report technology, which I fucking can't wait for. Right. You just whip your hand across yeah. here and then touch here. And it's like, yeah. let's do this screen and just yeah. move the The iPads is going to be like, Exactly. <laughs> And yet there's, and not, and yet, but, uh, so there are people that are thinking on this different level that, and again, we're talking about inspiration. One person inspiring another person because somebody said, I try that, try that, try that, try that. And you go, can I? And somebody say, yeah, fucking go there. Yeah. Um, how do you, so your approach with your, with your daughter and her education, like how is, uh, like, do you come at that in a certain creative way? Is she creative? She's extremely creative, uh, which is fun to see. I had, you know, there's, with a kid, you have your 10 years of complete influence, and uh, she's 15 now, so uh, my influence is not what I wish to impart on her, it's <laughs> like whatever sliver she'll agree to acknowledge, you know, so right. like right now I'm just like this buckshot approach of this, 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 and I, I don't know, I feel I've lost... A bit of control, and uh, I think. How do you staying. how do you surrender that? How do you, so? What you just did, what you just said, you go. This is just the way it is. It's why I cling so tightly to life is just an evolving, just thing, and everything changes day in and day out. And right. and your primary function is to float as best you can and remain calm and be creative. It's really true. Um, Johnny, how much time are we? Do we have What time is it? Well, we just, I'm at, what are we right now? 51 minutes. We're at 51? I'm going to end there. Great. That's great. I'm going to end there. Was just Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the ADD Comedy Podcast. For Dave Rosowski, I'm Ian Foley. For more information on ADD Comedy, you can visit our website at www.theaddcomedytour.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at ADD Comedy Pod. If you're in the Los Angeles area and you're interested in taking a class with Dave, you can find that information at his website at www.davidrosowski.com. Sound services for the ADD Comedy Podcast was brought to you by Post Apocalyptic.